Audiobook. Audiobook release. Podcast. Authors. Narrators. Interviews. Industry. News. Reviews. Sponsored by eAudioProductions.com. Welcome to the Audiobook Release Podcast, a show for audiobook lovers. Stay tuned as we share the latest news from the audiobook industry. We interview established and upcoming authors. We talk with popular narrators and review a wide range of audiobooks. Brought to you by eAudioProductions.com. Audiobook productions, podcast editing, music for media, voiceovers, song productions, and more. Mark Mondragon is a teenager who discovers he carries ancient dragon DNA. Dragonkin, available at your favorite audiobooks retailer. Hello, I'm Matt Rafferty. And I'm Leah Rafferty. Today our guest is Nathan Smith-Jones, author of the fantasy fiction book, Dragonkin. But before we get to our interview with Nathan, here's a short sample of the audiobook version of Dragonkin. Mark sat in a massive white room, its edges faded and barely perceptible. A large dragon, whose size, majesty, and very presence caught him in a spell of wonder, approached him. To this were you born, said the dragon. As it spoke in its deep baritone, Mark watched it mesmerized. He didn't dare speak. More than twenty feet high, the dragon seemed to be made of solid charcoal-gray granite. Its back was lined with deep copper, and its front splattered with gray and black scales coursing down its snowy white bosom. When it spoke, its mouth looked crooked on the sides, pulled around wide jaws. I will guide you with these dreams, since the others are slow to find you, said the dragon its lean muscles packaged in scales of iron. Without warning, a single thought burned into Mark's consciousness, commanding every part of his attention. I am part dragon. Mark awoke in his bed with most of the covers on the floor. He opened his eyes and looked at the clock on his nightstand. 1.37 a.m. Mark moved to pick up the blankets from the floor, trying to shake thoughts of bright eyes in dark places turning in his direction. He thought of flying, of his new relationship with fire. Part dragon, he thought. The thought seemed so far from reality that he tried dismissing it. A nervous chuckle escaped him. Dragons were fantastical, mythical creatures. <laughs> it wasn't like they were real. After all, this was just a dream, right? The thought persisted. If he were part dragon, he reasoned, it would make a lot of sense. Mark thought of the lighter's fire under his fingers, his weird cough scorching his mom's cake, and the other unexplained phenomena currently happening in his life. In the midst of these thoughts, a feeling came over him he had never felt before, a small humming sensation, a buzzing tranquility between his throat and his heart, small but growing, like an inner heat from an intense flame. It emanated outward, stretching from his center. It was peaceful, but powerful. A feeling of strength, affirmation, and a quiet energy source, all in one. He had never consciously felt anything like it before. Was this feeling, teeming all around him and through him, 
somehow confirming his thought about being part dragon? He felt that it was. If so, then how was this possible? Mark only hoped the answers would arrive sooner than later. In all the stories Mark loved most, there often appeared a mentor character that helped guide the hero. Luke Skywalker had Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Frodo had Gandalf. Mark reasoned that if he was born to this, as the dragon in his dreams had said, these supernaturally lifelike dreams, and even the dragon himself within them, were a strange kind of mentor to guide him. Still, he was grateful for them. They not only pointed him to a gradual understanding of all that was happening to him, they also kept him from going completely crazy. Am I going crazy? He wondered. Thinking of what had happened downtown the night before. Mark... Wow, that was great. Now I really want to listen to the entire book. Excellent, Nathan. So tell us a little bit about your background. Like, where did you grow up? Well, I was born in, in Salt Lake City, but I grew up all over the West, the Western United States. And it's kind of funny because the people always ask, are your parents like, were you an army brat or were your parents in the military? And I said, no, they were just adventurous people. <laughs> oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so... So yeah, moved, we moved around a lot, but really only four major times. And then um, I kind of consider Arizona home because I went to high school and junior high there, kind of in those formative years. And yeah, and I, I, I was always just this movie nerd and I was just always, you know, that was just me. I'm, I'm a triplet. I got two brothers my same age. Oh, wow. And, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. And, and we're, man, we're getting up there now. <laughs> but they both, they both live in Arizona actually. And we... My brother Norm and I, we were actually two fraternal twins that split. And so Norm and I look alike. And then Neil had his own egg. What do you do? Uh, and he was all into sports. And my brother Norm and I would always, my brother Norm and I made up an RPG game before there was such a thing. You know what I mean? Like it was just this really interesting, involved thing. We just created this whole world called Mini Society. And it was just, you know, in the deserts of California, they made a, a, an entire society, cities and everything, for kids from 12 to 17. And when, you, wow. when you're 18, you're escorted <laughs> out. But, but it's like a oh. way for kids to learn. But it was, it was just so fun because, like, you know, kids just yearn for independence. Mm-hmm. And so it, that was us being able to live that. <laughs> so kind of fun. I think you have a story within the story just being a triplet. Oh, you know, that's, everyone would like to hear just about being a triplet. What was that like? Oh, Do thanks. you really all think the same? And- right. Well, it sounds like yeah. it sounds like you and your fraternal brother really do think a lot alike. Yeah, my identical brother. Yeah, we, we do. We were very much alike. We really got into movies and we just geeked out about uh, books and, and just, you know, entertainment and anything that was kind of, you know, communicative at all. We were just... We were fans of. And so I grew up loving stories and wanting to make my own. And so I tried film for a while. And when I realized that's hard, (laughs) um, uh, it's just hard to get someone to even watch a film, even if you get it done, let alone your screenplay. So so then I just turned back to books after uh, like 15 years of trying the uh, independent film world. Uh, and I wrote several novels, but Dragonkin was the first one that has really kind of gotten out there. It sold about 3,000 sales, which is amazing Great. for a local, yeah. a locally produced Great. book. Yeah. And so I, I'm excited with, with where it's going and I'm trying to work on Dragonkin too, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very fun though. Well, does your professional life, um, help you get into writing? Yeah. Um, I, I'm a, I'm a teacher. And so I've been, I've been teaching English and stories and creative writing for many years. And it is fun to talk about, you know, the, 
the basics, you know, with my students and look at the, the mythological aspects of story and look at how screenwriters look at story and look at how children's story writers look at story and how novelists look at story. To me, it's just, it's endlessly fascinating. And, and it's also fun to help kids kind of realize, wow, I, I could do that, you know? And Yeah, sure. I would think they'd be really excited that you are an author. Yeah. And a, a subject yeah. they perhaps would really be interested in also. Yeah, it definitely helps with kind of the, you know, they say those who can't do teach. So it's kind of nice. <laughs> and those who can't teach, teach gym. So it's right. kind of, <laughs> it's kind of, no, I actually, I actually know some people who teach gym who really are good <laughs> at, at teaching gym. <laughs> um, but yeah, but, but it's like, uh, it does help. You're absolutely right. It does help in the authority kind of, you know, they, they take me more serious mm-hmm. as a creative writing teacher. If I have books out there that, mm-hmm. that people are actually liking to read. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And, and sure. Sure. Yeah. I think that's true all, all the way through life. If you have a, a college professor who has actually gone out yes. and done what you're studying. You, oh, absolutely. You have more, that's, that's such more a faith good point. Them. Yeah. And, and it's funny too, because, you know, when kids are, are reading it in the school, like I'm, a, I'm at a brand new school this year. And so the kids are just starting to realize, oh, oh, he wrote that? What? He wrote this? You know? And so they they kind of and and the the fact that i i made the book on purpose very short chapters kind of like james patterson very short chapters i wanted to make the story really move because a lot of fantasy novels boy they just they they just the straight fantasy novels right and i love them they're great but they're just so huge they're door stoppers right <laughs> and a lot of fantasy novel writers they forget to just oh there's there's someone reading this you know some and and yes most fantasy readers want to just be immersed in that world that's true but they also want the story to move they they don't want to sit there and and you know um you know they don't want just five chapters of not a lot happening right mm-hmm. so right and i think that especially it's especially good for for kids who you know, maybe they're resistant to reading. Maybe they don't mm-hmm. really like reading. Maybe because they they see reading as oh, this the thing they make me do at school, yeah. <laughs> and so you know they, they don't read for fun. And I think that's happening more and more. The more media saturated society we have, sure. right? So, yeah, it's really interesting though. So, but it's it's really neat to that that the kids are starting to really like it and. And uh, they mentioned parts that made him laugh or made him go, what? You know? <laughs> so it's really, yeah, really you, neat because yeah. I, think, I think half the battle is, you know, keeping someone's attention and making them want to finish a book. Because I don't know how many books I've started and I never finished some, right? <laughs> well, that's a cool thing is because you have interaction with your audience immediately. I mean, how many authors <laughs> can say they can see their audience and <laughs> yeah. get feedback immediately? That's pretty cool. <laughs> it really is neat. And it's, yeah. and it's really great to get their feedback because, again, like I, I just I so welcome the feedback that kids give me. Uh, like, hey, you want to do this? You want to do that? One friend of mine, his uh, his ten year old read it and just loved it, and he said in the book it says that you know that the dragons were real, that that they went extinct, but that their powers were placed into actual humans, the very people hunting them uh, back in the fifth century. It was uh, through their magic. It said that their the powers of the of these dragons. DNA would lie dormant for seven and 70 generations. And the kid said, so are dragons really extinct then? 
Mm. And and it gave me the idea for book two. So I won't say right. any more, but I won't right. say any more, but it's very, very fun. So it's yeah. it's uh, it's just gonna be really exciting from here on out. It's gonna be fun when I finally get that done. It might take me another year or so, but but I'm determined to get that done as soon as I can. But wonderful. But that's really cool interacting with your audience and getting an idea for the second story just from one conversation. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and you're absolutely right that most authors, they're kind of in a bubble, right? They don't, if they do see the kids who love their stories, they often don't get to interact with them on a day-to-day basis. Sure. They see them yeah. like, once at Barnes & Noble, right? Yeah. Right, And so right. I, I love that. I just think it's so great because it took me a long time to admit that writing is a hobby. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So obviously you've been a writer from the very beginning, it sounded like, even when you're creating the world with your brother. Right. We wanted to write. But when did you decide, okay, I'm going to write a book? You know, it's funny because I kind of took a detour. I decided it when I was in my 20s. I was going to write a book. And I wrote one, but it wasn't very good. But then I quickly jumped back into my love for film and I wrote screenplay after screenplay. And I spent like 15 years just writing screenplays and expecting someone to, you know, just show up with money to make it into a movie. Mm-hmm. I ended up producing two feature films that I threw my own money into. Wow. Yeah. And, and I just, I don't know, it's funny. I just had the worst luck with distribution partners and producing partners because this last movie that I produced was seven years ago. It's about a guy who um, gets into a car accident and when he wakes up, he can only speak Spanish. Oh, okay. And it turns out he, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a real left hemisphere brain injury called bilingual aphasia. And, uh, and of course, you know, and this guy, this guy has a radio show and he's just like, what? And so uh, his whole, his whole world just completely unravels. And it's a, it's a funny movie. It's a romantic comedy. There's some drama. It's a really fun movie. My two producing partners, one just has some serious issues and the other one just enables him. And so, you know, it's excuse after excuse, you know, they they have Mm -hmm. complete control because I'm only one third controlling the interest partner, the headaches of of independent film, gosh, just don't do it. Just jump back into into books. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's my advice anyway. <laughs> well, who are some of your favorite writers that may have influenced you along the way? Gosh, um, you know, Madeline Langle, um, who did A Wrinkle in Time, that really wowed me when I was young. And The Outsiders was huge. You know, Ray Bradbury was just, was probably the first one that made me go, whoa, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. what is possible out there? And then, and then of course, you know, I discovered uh, Stephen King. And then later on in life, I saw, I discovered Brandon Sanderson and, and Brandon Mole, who did the Fablehaven series, has become a friend. He kind of took me under my wing and, and has been a really great uh, friend right. and confidant. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's just an amazing person and he actually returns my emails now and then. <laughs> it's really, really cool of him because again, like he doesn't have to be like that, but he's just the nicest guy. And I asked him once, you can be a lot more standoffish. I mean, you, you've kind of earned the right. I don't know why you're so nice. I mean, not that I, uh-huh. not that I'm complaining, but, uh, but he, he just said, you know, he said, you know something. Uh, and I love this response. He said, uh, my attitude is, Everyone is my superior in one way or another. And Mm. I thought, wow, that is great. Because sometimes, you know, these authors get, you know, a few million fans and they think, yeah, that's right. You know, (laughs) Matt and I used to work at CNN and Ted Turner was our boss and Ted Turner had a meeting and he said, listen, don't you ever think you're better than anyone else? Because there's always someone with more money or smarter than you. And 
just stay humble. Yeah. And that was coming from a man who had a lot of money and a lot of power. <laughs> right. So, of influence. Yeah. That's and he a was really good, us. That, it's a yeah. great thing to remember. Gosh, yeah. Yeah. And it has. It, mm-hmm. you know. That's awesome. Yeah. So since you published Dragonkin, have you been working on other books? I have, actually. You know, Dragonkin 2 is coming along slower than I want, but I did take a detour <laughs> because I wrote this book. It was just this, it was too irresistible. It took me seven months to get it done, but it, it's called Escape from Bad Grade Slave Labor Camp. And, oh, and, wow. And, <laughs> yeah, and it's, it, I call it social science fiction because it's, it's about a kid who's a seventh grader. He's forced to go to live at a residential labor camp for kids who get bad grades for the entire summer. And so his summer's at stake, right? And so it's a, it's like all hands on deck. His friends are trying to get him released. He's trying to escape. Uh, it, it's a very fun, it, you know, it's got action. It's got adventure. It's even got a little romance in there. It's really fun. And, um, but it's also, I don't know. I, I think it's also great because there's the whole debate about, you know, is it right to put kids in, camps like this, maybe all in the name of helping them understand the kind of jobs that they would have without education or, you know what I mean? Like, or is that a good thing? Right? Yeah. And so I give both sides its due. Does that make sense? Like, uh, but yeah. the fun part is Mark, the main character of Dragonkin is he's a, he's a funny character. And when he gets nervous, he gets really sarcastic. But this kid, Kelvin in uh, bad grade slave labor camp, He's the snarkiest character I've ever I've ever written. He, he talks back to grownups. He just he's just funny, and he narrates it like it's first person narration with this one. With Mark, it, it was a third person, you know, uh, narrator. Oh, okay. And so, okay. but it, it was, uh, but yeah, it was just so irresistible. I had it's a little it's it's only 134 pages. It's a little novella, but it's very fun. And um, yeah, I, I just had to put it together, and it's actually available now. Yeah, it's it's fun. I hope it sounds like a great premise. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It, it's, and it came actually from a student. I put this out there. I was teaching seventh grade English a few years ago and I put this out there as a debate. Just, you know, let's have a debate about this issue. And th- some of the kids were like, is this real? Uh, is this, is this a thing? You know, and, and they were getting all freaked out. And I'm like, well, no, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a scenario. It's a, it's, it's not real. Yet, <laughs> and one girl said, yeah. "That sounds like a don't get paranoid. Don't, you're not going. We're not going right. to send you there. It could happen, right? Though. Exactly." And, and one girl said, "She said, man, that sounds like a scary sci-fi novel." And and uh-huh. the, the light bulb went on, and I just had to. Wow. A few years later, I just had to you know knock it out and get it written. So, <laughs> tell us a little bit about Dragonkin. Well, Dragonkin um, started in. It, it actually started in 2012. Uh, I, my brother came to me and he said, and my brother's not a writer, but he said that he had an idea about a kid with dragon powers. And I said, well, kids with dragon powers, that's, that's been done. What you need is a, a good approach to it. And off the top of my head, I came up with the approach of that dragons were real in the, in the fifth century AD and that slowly they were being killed off because they were intelligent. They could speak and they could do magic and they could spew fire and kill you. And, and so humans, you know, being the insecure people we are, we just had to overtake them and, uh, and kill them off. Uh, but, the, but the smarter ones, the smarter dragons, uh, decided to, to basically become genetic stowaways on the very creatures that were hunting them, the humans. And so our hero is the first 
uh, of the seven and seventieth generation who's uh, who it was foretold that that's when 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 that generation hits puberty, that's when their powers start coming about. And and it's funny because in 2012, I didn't think much of it. I, it was just a quick, oh. it was just a quick thing. Like, well, you, you need an in. And I came up with the whole genetic stowaway thing. And then fast forward a year and a half later, and I was done. Uh, I delivered this, this, this movie edit that I was working on. And uh, I thought, you know, I think that's going to be my next project. It took me three years to finish writing it. And then when it came out, it was, um, it was well-received, yeah. And um, it was well-received, but it's funny. The first incarnation of it was only 212 pages. You get that version. It's, it doesn't, if, if it doesn't have a black stripe across the top, it's not the one that you need to read. You need to read the next one. The next one is the expanded edition, and that's the one oh. that I, I bought back from the, uh, the local publisher had, had, uh, picked it up. And I just decided, you know what, they're not doing a good job. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna grab it. I'm going to take it back and just, I'm just going to self-publish this thing. And so I, I formed, uh, I formed, I read books and media, uh, because I, I just believed in it. You know, I just, I just knew. And, and I, I hired the lady who was the book's biggest critic. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> she just said, there's certain parts that just don't work. And I'm like, what? Wow. Like she said, the story works. But she just said, there's some stuff in there that just, you know, and I, I was, I was so embarrassed because I, I, you know, you stare at the same words over and over and then you go back to it and you realize all these clunky sentences and like, how right. did, are these just appearing magically? What, what, what is the deal here? And so I, I had to fix all those and I fixed entire sequences <laughs> and added 4,000 words. So, so Nathan, three years writing the book, what was the, what was the biggest challenge of putting it together? Well, the biggest challenge putting it together, I think was time. I knew that I had a growing family. My wife and I, uh, we had young kids at the time. Now they're teenagers. Wow. And, and so it was, I was just really, really busy. I was in, in the middle of a, a graduate program and education. Uh, I still am trying to finish that dissertation. And, and, um, <laughs> wow. And, and so I was just trying to get everything kind of done. But it was also, I was just determined to make sure that the writing works, like just sentence by sentence, that it carried the story in a way that captured the imagination and, and held people's attention. And I just, I, I was just determined to have it not suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I just decided to put the time in. And uh, it's funny because a quick story, I was um, at a Barnes and Noble and a guy walks up to me and he goes, you know, my wife and I, we thought, hey, we can put a we can put a story together. We can we can write. He said, you know, it took us like five hours to get just two paragraphs to work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's said, not easy. I, it's not. And I and I told him, I said, well, your biggest problem is is starting to count the hourly. Mm. You know, like <laughs> how much am I making an hour here? <laughs> yeah, that's your. I said that's your first mistake. If you if you're writing and looking at your hourly, yeah, it's going to be pennies an hour, if that, at first, the first few years, you know. Oh, and, and uh, you know, speaking of Brandon Sanderson, I got to throw this in. I was at the West Jordan. It's here in Utah. It's a Barnes and Noble. And it was the very first Barnes and Noble where Brandon Sanderson tried to sell one of his books. I sold six uh, copies of Dragonkin that Saturday. And his first time, he sold zero. 
And I thought to myself, well, gosh, if this is a this, this is a helpful thing, <laughs> knowing that right. knowing yeah, that this amazing writer uh, sold zero, you know, on his first Saturday. So it was just uh, so that's just kind of neat, you know, knowing that someone yeah. can bounce back from that. I think anyone listening who's a who's a a burgeoning writer and who wants to write for a living, I think it's a great story for them to keep in mind because, you know. Yeah, things change. You yeah, never things know. change. Yeah, like like the first draft of Star Wars, you know. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Star it was horrible. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, the very first draft of George Lucas's Star Wars, uh, 1977, episode four, was absolutely horrendous. It was it was horrible. And it just turned into, into this, this magical thing. And uh so yeah. fascinating, right? And, and so yeah, I, I just think it's yeah. any any kind of thing like that, the story that can kind of boost people's, you know, confidence and hey, I can do that too. <laughs> you know, if like if yeah. this guy can get to here from there, wow, you know. So I, I just love that inspirational <laughs> stuff. <man>. Great. <laughs> so let's talk about the title. Did you choose it? I did. Yeah. Good question. Gosh, these are great questions. By the way, you guys are amazing. I did some research and I saw that you know, of the, you know, kids having dragon powers subgenre. I just knew that I could do something with it. I knew that it was either the, the stories weren't great or they weren't that well written. And so I thought, well, maybe I can do something with this. And there already was someone who had written uh, Dragon Kin, K-I-N. So I, I just decided to make it K-Y-N because I liked the title, Dragon Kin. And I decided to make it K-Y-N because, partially because there's a lot of whys in the Welsh language. In my world, of course, um, Wales is where dragons began. Oh, okay. Wales uh, in England, you know, that, uh, mm-hmm. that part of England. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of Ys, like in a row, maybe, <laughs> in that language. And it's really, and of course, last name Jones, you can't get more Welsh than that. So, um, <laughs> and so, and so I thought to myself, yeah, this is good. You know, I'll, I'll put a Y in there. And so, and it's funny because a lot of readers were pronouncing it dragon kind. And if you add a D, then, you know, it's dragon kind. You know, like humankind, and so I, at this point, I don't, I don't care how it's pronounced. <laughs> I'll take either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just keep reading it. Yeah, exactly. your friends. <laughs> Buy the book. Yeah, exactly. So, so let's talk a little bit about the audiobook version of Dragonkin. Okay, so you you narrated the audiobook, and it was edited, mixed, and mastered by E Audio Productions. That's right, they, they, and they did an amazing job. E Audio. Wow. Just an amazing job. But I did. Yeah. I took every Saturday for about 10 hours a Saturday for six months. The first first half of 2018. It's all I did. And I read every word. And the thing is, is that like if this had been done by some corporation, some, oh, we got to, we got to pump this out and whatever. You know, I just knew that I cared about it way more than anyone else. And sometimes I would literally do like 10 or 12 takes for a single sentence. And then when I edited it, I would decide which one worked best and wow. in, in terms of in terms of the flow. I had confidence that I could do it simply because I had been a voiceover actor for many years. It was a blast to do. It was very, very fun, but it was also a little stressful and it was a lot of work. But, right. but I'm so glad that readers who are maybe visually impaired or other people can can hear the book and hear it come alive, right? Sure. I invented like 15 different voices for it. Like Mark is my voice, just just a higher register, right, of my voice, mm-hmm. and uh, and I had a lot of other people, you know, you know, one guy talks like this, you know, what I'm saying, <laughs> you know, it's just like one guy's just like a little bit, you know, he's a New Yorker, you know. I think having the audiobook version is also great because maybe a family could enjoy it on a vacation or just you know on their way to soccer practice. 
Yeah, that's right. A friend of mine even said he he his kids listened to it in the car on the way to a trip. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. Right. <laughs> you know? And so and lately the audiobook is selling more than the book. And I'm I'm so happy to see that get out there. But again, they they kind of cross pollinate when it turns to marketing, right? Uh one discovers the other, right? And so it's been a big blessing. I I've, I'm very happy with it and I'm just excited about how how well it turned out. I'm just very very happy about about that. Nathan, you mentioned doing different voices. Did you do all the voices for one person at a time and then go on to another person? Or did you do it in chronological order with the book? Oh, that's awesome. What an excellent question. Yeah, I, I did it chronologically, but there were two or three voices that I went back through the book and did some more takes once I got better at the voice. Once I once I really keyed in on those specifics of the voice, like for instance, Jen is this sarcastic girl and she's kind of the main characters. Jen is just a bad A. I mean, she's just amazing. And she's like the Obi-Wan Kenobi of mm. our main character. <laughs> she's been like around, she's been on her own since she was, since she was 16. She just is, she just shows him the ropes of using his powers and kind of coaches him on how to use the vibe, the vibration, uh, which is the, the power that can Next, all dragons. It's like the invisible fire within all dragon kind. And I had to go back and I realized when I really got her voice down halfway through the book, I went back and I, I redid a few of uh, her lines, you know, once I had that down. So it was kind of a mix. That's such a good question because so few people like in interviews talk about, ask about process, you know, right. <laughs> I just thank you so much for that I'm question. Sure, but that, that just yeah. sounds a, a big challenge to remember how someone speaks you know, when you're doing the next line. Yeah. So congratulations on being able to do that. Thank you. Yeah, it, it was, it was a lot of work, but I knew that no one would care about it like oh. I did. So I just had to go the extra mile. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but yeah, it's, it's, it's gotten really amazing reviews, the, the audio book. And so I, I'm just very humbled and, and just very happy about that. So. Fantastic. Well, Nathan, you kind of gave a little bit of advice to aspiring writers, but Going back to that, um, what would be your main advice to aspiring writers? You know, it's funny because I, I asked this same question, and I'm just going to repeat what he said because it's great. I asked the same question to Michael Arndt, the guy who wrote the movies uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, he mm -hmm. wrote Toy Story 3. Wow. <laughs> yeah, just amazing. Yeah, amazing uh, screenwriter. And I drove him around Sundance. Uh, I had a job up there. <laughs> I drove him around Sundance when Little Miss Sunshine was big in 06. And again, we had like a lot of time. So we're talking screenwriting. And I said, I said to him, I said, so what have you, you know, what advice would you give? And he said, uh, keep writing. I go, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but what advice, <laughs> what advice would you give that you've never heard anyone else give? Hmm. And he thought for a second, he goes, wow, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he thought for a second. And then he said, you know, I, I used to be a reader. I used to have a job as a reader for the studios. And it was my job just to read, read all the unsolicited scripts that came in. And he said, a lot of people like to say that, oh, the, those scripts are so, they're such crap. They're all bad. He said, he said, it's not that they were bad. It's that they weren't finished. So the advice that I would give to young writers is when you think it's done, you know, go over it 20 more times <laughs> and get a lot of feedback. And, and, and then it might be a little closer to being done because, you know, I mean, Dragon King went through, it went through five editors before it got out there 
the publishing company wasn't exactly uh, Simon and Schuster, right? But it was a local, it was a local press. But I still found issues that were wrong with it. I still had to go that extra mile and then relaunch it, right? So my advice is when you think you're done, you're not. There's always something more that you could you, that you could do. Something you could improve the the characterization. You could improve the writing itself. Uh, maybe maybe this part needs a metaphor to really really grab you, and maybe this needs some sensory description. You know, does that make sense? And sure, so, sure, absolutely. Yes, yeah. yes. I think the biggest advice is don't fear the failure. Um, just embrace it and just, you know, go through the drafts that until you know it's polished. Right. Keep and it's making ready. it better. Keep making it better. That's right. Yeah. And and Michael Arndt's uh, word for that is make sure it's bulletproof. Right. Oh. <laughs> and that's what I've tried to do with all my books is just try to make it bulletproof. Excellent. Yeah, so. Well, Nathan, where can we find a copy of your audiobook? Well, my audiobook is on Chirp. It's on uh, Audible. It's on audiobooks.com. E-Audio is launching a new service that will carry it as all also but it's on every major uh platform that sells audiobooks and so just look for one word dragon kin k-y-n great well nathan it's been wonderful speaking with you today it seems like your life has been full of adventure (laughs) and you take opportunities so congratulations on being a person a go-getter right thank you thanks so much (laughs) i appreciate this has been one of the best conversations i've had Uh, you guys are great well, thanks thank so much. You. Well, thanks for being a guest on the audiobook release podcast, Nathan. Great talking to you. You too. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to the audiobook release podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you'll never miss an episode. We value your opinion, so feel free to post a rating or review. For feedback, inquiries, and more about our audiobook production and publishing services, visit www.audiobookrelease.com. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Audiobook Release Podcast.